Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's webinar focusing on visionary women in tech, inspiring diversity, leadership, and entrepreneurship. Please note a recorded version of this webinar will be available to all registered attendees, and you will receive communications from the Qatar Financial Center, QFC, with a link to access the pre-recorded event. This webinar will feature a panel discussion and a Q&A segment. We invite attendees to post their questions in the questions tab on the bottom right side of the LiveStorm portal. Let us begin without further ado. I'm Soon Rajiv Zayed, the advisor to the president of the University of Doha for Science and Technology, Qatar's first national applied university, offering applied bachelor's, master's, and looking towards offering PhD degrees, in addition to certificates and diplomas and over 50 academic programs. I'm delighted to moderate this important webinar co-hosted by the Qatar Financial Center, QFC, Qatar's leading onshore business and financial center located in Doha and welcoming international and domestic companies to become registered QFC entities. And our second co-host, Vesuvio Labs, a UK and Qatar-based technology venture builder and business gateway, helping entrepreneurs take their ideas from conception to scale maturity and exit. Ladies and gentlemen, it's no surprise that women outperform on almost every dimension of leadership. And the evidence for this continues to be on the rise. In tech, women are breaking barriers and creating for themselves a more empowered female leadership landscape. This webinar lines up and reveals the inspiring journeys from accomplished women who have embraced technology and going beyond to transcend barriers, to inspire and lead with sustainable impact. As the world innovates and technology advances, the opportunity for businesses and society to advance women in STEM career have never been greater. We aim to shed light on the powering role women worldwide are conducting and highlight specifically the role of women in Qatar the role women in Qatar have in supporting the national economy at the increasing rate we see today. At this time, it is my distinct pleasure to introduce a remarkable woman who continues to play a major role in gender diversification by showcasing supporting examples women play across all facets of business. Please welcome Sheikha Alanoud bin Hamad Al Thani, the Deputy Chief Executive Officer and Chief Business Officer of the Qatar Financial Center. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. It's an honor to be a part of this crucial discussion on the pioneering role of women in tech. Today, you will hear from inspiring female role models who have scaled great obstacles and continue to break the glass ceiling in their respective industries to pave a way for more women in STEM, both science, technology, and engineering and mathematics. We have come a long way, yet there is also a great room for improvements. Women currently make up only 28% of the workforce in STEM. A glaring gender gap that widens even more when we look at some of the fastest growing and highest paid jobs of the future, like computer science and engineering. What the statistics reveal is that we are still missing the mark, and most importantly, more must be done to invest in female education. 
and to break down stereotypes that stand in the way of girls pushing their dreams. Female-led entrepreneurship and innovation is crucial to economic development. A study by McKinsey Global Institute found that advancing women's equality could add 12 trillion US dollars to the global economy by 2025, an impact that is roughly equivalent to the size of the combined Chinese and US economies today. This becomes an ever more important endeavor against the backdrop of COVID-19 and the setbacks to equality, economic advancement, and access to education that have disproportionately affected women worldwide in recent years. To shape an equal future, we must uphold women's rights and leverage the true potential of women's leadership. It starts by recognizing the unique contributions we can tap into when we level the playing field, generating creative solutions for the future, resourcefulness, and new ways of thinking and bringing about sustainable development for all. I have personally, personally witnessed and become part of a changing dynamic within our society. Qatar has long stood at the forefront of women's empowerment across all industries, starting from the early years in the classroom to higher education opportunities. In the tech sphere, we see a growing ecosystem of year-round programs that encourage female participation, whether it comes to ideating and building their own startups, finding business funding, or collaborating with others who share in their passion to advance the STEM field and their careers along the way. Many women trailblazers came before us and unlocked opportunities for women in the STEM fields. Margaret Hamilton, who was at the who was at the controls when a man walked on the moon. Katherine Johnson, a black woman in the United States in the 1950s, joined NASA where she took part in the American space adventure between 1953 and 1969, and Roberts Williams, who designed the first graphic adventure game. And there are so many more examples from our region as well. Young women today should see themselves in these roles and choose role models that inspire them to take advantage of professional opportunities that can unlock their new horizons. We are also fortunate to live in a country with strong leadership figures, from Her Highness Sheikha Moza bin Nasser to Her Excellency Sheikha Hint, whose role at the helm of educational development in the country has long inspired our growth as a community. Today, Qatar is host also to numerous initiatives that place women in the center of tech innovation. Just a few months ago, Injaz Qatar and Microsoft launched the Women Technopreneurs Project to empower women to partake in the AI industry, which is expected to bring about 58 million new jobs globally in this year alone. Internationally, we are represented by Qatari IT leaders whose participation in the Women in Tech meets in Stockholm helped put us on the map, emphasizing the crucial role women play as leaders in homegrown digital entrepreneurship. Our country, has also launched several projects that actively promote women's participation in the economy through their own business ventures. Since its establishment in the year 2000, the Qatari Business Women Association has worked to push the economic wheel towards the strategic growth projects by Qatar National Vision 2030. And as part of the Qatar Financial Center, I am proud that, along with many institutions in Qatar, we stand at the forefront of women's empowerment and leadership, thereby inspiring their ability to achieve excellence in diverse fields and create meaningful, sustainable change.
I am also fortunate to count many incredible female professionals among my colleagues at the QFC. About 37% of the Qatar Financial Sector Authority's workforce is female. Approximately 80% of our female QFC colleagues are highly skilled experts in their respective fields with university or postgraduate degrees working to make a tangible impact on Qatar's financial sector. The QFC continues to play a major role in gender diversification with a consciousness approach to eliminating gender bias from hiring processes, creating equal opportunity in the workplace and laying out a fair path to reach leadership positions. Our dedicated employment standards office has been set up with the primary goal of ensuring healthy and productive employment standards based on international best practice. Creating a respective and gender balanced workplace is essential to attract further foreign direct investment to Qatar and bolster our position as an ideal place to work and to do business for international companies. We know that without female participation, progress would stagnate. Yet, as women in Qatar, our journey is supported by our wise leadership. We have the power to create our own opportunities and be equal partners in shaping the future. I thank you for being part of today's important discussion, and I hope that you continue to push the boundaries and discover your true potential as female leaders in science, technology, finance, engineering, math, and the list goes on, or any other professional challenge that you set your eyes on. We all carry a great social responsibility to our present and future generations to serve as role models for those who will one day walk in the path we forge today. Thank you for being here today, and I hope you have a wonderful day ahead and benefit from the fruitful discussions that will proceed. Thank you, Sheikh Alanoud, for your poignant remarks and insights. You as well are a remarkable woman who has done a great deal to support women empowerment, women in technology, in all facets of business in Qatar and beyond. Now I'd like to introduce our first eminent keynote speaker, an award-winning woman in technology and the head of delivery at Vesuvio Labs, Ms. Marwa Adawi. Hi everyone. Can you hear me fine? Okay, my soon? Yes, loud and clear. Okay, lovely. All right. Hi, everyone. Thank you, my soon, Pedro, and QFC for organizing this webinar in conjunction with Vesuvia Labs. I'm absolutely delighted to be part of the panel with all those incredible women. Thank you, Sheikh Alanud, for raising uh, awareness on the work that women have done, are doing, and continue to do. Um, so my story is certainly not a fairy tale or a successful one without big hurdles and challenges which have resulted in my growth and who I am today. Um, I would like to start with a short quote that my father said to me at a tender age of 16 when I was young and unable to make a decision on a career choice. He said to me, technology is the future. You have an opportunity to go and study abroad. You might as well study computer science. That was my kickstart into tech, backed my, by my father and mother, who both immensely encouraged me to take this path. What a result. Um, I came from an Egyptian-Pakistani background, spent my childhood and teenage years in Pakistan, and then decided to go to university in Egypt. Stepping into a computer science degree in Egypt did not reveal 
uh, gender disparity in the sector as such, since the ratios were around 60-40. The real gender disparity sur surfaced when I moved to the UK in 2004, after getting married and continuing with my education as a software engineer. I was the only female student in my course. By 2006, when I graduated with a first-class honours degree, I had also juggled being a mum to my then one-year-old daughter and holding a part-time job. So by age 22, I was ready to embark on my tech journey and started my first job as a junior application developer. Once again, I found myself surrounded by a male-dominated working environment. Some women may have found it daunting or challenging. However, for me, it felt natural that I am where I'm meant to be with people who have the right skills and attitude regardless of their gender. With that attitude in mind, I continued to excel and quickly became a valuable part of the team without labeling myself as the only woman in the team. Um, after my second child in 2009, I decided to take a career break for a few years since part-time jobs in tech did not exist at the time. It either, either meant for me to go back to work full-time with two children or changing my career altogether to work around my family. However, during this time, I strive to look for jobs in tech, which would offer me flexibility and ha perhaps have had some female presence. So in 2011, I finally got a job with a tech company founded by a female who promised the flexibility around my family. Ironically, it only lasted for six weeks as offering flexibility to me as a woman meant that she would need to be fair and offer the same to the male employees too. As a leader, I now look back and thank the female founder who taught me valuable lessons of what not to do as a leader. Although I loved motherhood, I was getting more and more anxious of losing my career as time went by. So between 2012 to 2015, I started my own e-commerce business around fashion. Um, this gave me an opportunity to connect to what I was familiar with, that is web design and development, but also to what I was not familiar with at all, which is creating a business from scratch uh, with sourcing, supply chains, managing finances, etc all of which was totally new to me. My career break was certainly not a conventional one as I was determined to feel uncomfortable so I can continue to grow. By the end of 2015, I was very fortunate to receive an opportunity to step into a tech lead role with a pioneering Islamic fintech crowd investment platform, which I then joined as part of the co-founding team. Although the last few years have really injected the most amount of growth within my career, they have also been the most painful from sleepless nights to returning to work after my third child when she was merely 10 days old, working until the early hours of the morning, taking work on holidays, family dues, breaks, and everywhere my laptop could accompany me. Um, I encountered enormous learning experiences during my tenure at Yielders, having lost several years in technology, I continuously felt as if I was playing catch up, whether on the tech side, business side or operationally. I felt unconfident in my tech abilities, which resulted in extreme imposter syndrome. And so I spent most of my time outside of work, upskilling myself in the latest tech stacks, cloud infrastructure, best practices, etc. So I could provide viable, innovative solutions for the platform. Yudas became UK's first ever FCA regulated and Sharia certified crowd investment platform in 2017. 
So after a grueling yet exhilarating few years as, um, as a natural progression from a startup, I decided to exit Yielders in 2021, taking along a plethora of not only tech expertise, but a well-rounded trajectory of growth on almost all areas of the business. And finally, with a fresh start and plenty of learnings post-yielders as well as COVID, I was given an amazing opportunity by Vesuvio to join as head of delivery and QA last year in 20, in October 2021, ticking all the boxes in a role that would offer flexibility, give me autonomy over my work, an opportunity to bring about drastic change to the software development process and lead a team of smart software engineers in Nepal. Moreover, the entire tech team in Nepal, um, the entire senior tech team in, in Nepal is headed by a team of strong female colleagues from head of operations to head of HR to tech leads, software engineers and QA leads. So what are my key takeaways? One, I would say pain is what makes us grow. So embrace the challenges and turn them into opportunities. You will thank them later. Two, the biggest loss someone could have is not trying. So try because you will never know what you're capable of until you expose yourself to the challenge. Three, find the right mentor. And I emphasize this time and time again, whether male or female, you will continue to learn throughout your career. So don't get complacent. Four, we are the future inspiration to the next generation. So do not hoard knowledge, disperse your knowledge and help others achieve their vision and goals. Five, learning from failures will enable us to make better informed decisions in future, but repeating the same failures will cause unwanted consequences. So perhaps if you can, choose your failures wisely. Although I have struggled to find suitable female mentors in tech throughout my career, my journey has involved many successful male entrepreneurs who have inspired and pushed me to levels I did not think I could achieve. My journey may not have included any female mentors directly, but indirectly I'm inspired every day by female founders, senior tech leads, seniors, CTOs and CEOs who are continuously breaking barriers and proving to the world that you can be female and successful just as equally to men. And thank you for listening. Thank you, Marwa. Your journey is quite impressive and you have certainly captured the challenges, the determination, and the drive of women in technology. And you also serve as an excellent role model to so many women worldwide. Thank you, Mason. Mason, you're on mute, I think. Our second keynote speaker is a powerhouse in her own right and an exemplary woman of substantial achievement and leadership. Please welcome Dr. Saida Jafar, Senior Vice President and Group Country Manager for the Gulf Cooperation Council Region at Vista. Hello, everyone. It is a pleasure and an honor to be here today. My name is Dr. Saida Jafar, and I am the GM in the GCC for Visa, the world's largest payment technology company. I'd like to start out by sharing my personal journey. I am trained as an engineer, a chemical engineer, and then I've spent the first 17 years of my career as a consultant. And then in the last few years, I have been at Visa. A lot of people would classify these as traditionally male-dominated 
male-dominated industries. While there has historically been a large number of males in these industries, I actually do believe that being a woman in some of these industries has its unique advantages, the way it does to be a woman in any industry. I think it's the balance that really and truly helps women achieve what their full potential is. There is a lot of research out there that talks about the importance and need for having balanced teams, for having a balanced group of people making decisions. Today, if we look ahead, the problems and the challenges that we solve as business people are not as simple and linear as they used to be many, many years ago. They are very complex and ever-involving. And as a result of that, we need teams and we need groups of people that bring together different vantages and different viewpoints and put them together and enable us to have a very, very inclusive problem-solving approach. You can't do that if you have a group of people that thinks in one way. And this is where diversity and inclusion becomes incredibly important. And this is where it becomes even more important to have a different thought of mind. A lot of women that I have met over my years are very intuitive, tend to ask a lot of questions, look at things in, in a very different way, are able to get to the root of problems and challenges in a different way than perhaps some of them, the other counterparts. I think all of these are skills. All of these are unique abilities that should be harnessed and should be brought to the forefront. Women should always remember it is always tricky for both men and women to be at the forefront, to be a leader. And that when that happens, one should not lose confidence. One should not lose faith in oneself but believe in oneself, be their biggest cheerleader, and go forward. The other thing that has helped tremendously is to surround oneself with a group of people or a group of trusted advisors that can help guide and coach and mentor along the way. I have a group of trusted colleagues, trusted friends, who I often turn to for advice. Sometimes these are my peers, Sometimes these are people I have worked for. These are sometimes these are people who work for me. And they, again, all provide very, very different and very unique points of view. And it is about bringing that group of advisors together. And at different points in our careers, different types of advisors might be young, perhaps we could do more with a mentor. When we're a bit older, perhaps we could do and gain a lot more by mentoring others. So it is about making sure you surround yourself with this group of trusted advisors that can help you and be your sounding board as you go forward. And then the last thing, a very, very important thing is, even though you may know yourself and you may surround yourself with people who can help you make better decisions, we have to be in places where we believe our talents are best utilized. It is very, very important to work for organizations that are reflective of our values, whatever they may be. Personally, for me, I, I, lo I love the fact that I work at an organization that is so focused on diversity and inclusion. 
an organization that has focused on equal pay pledge many, many years ago. An organization that has a return to program for women who might have taken some time off due to family reasons. An organization that is spearheading something called the She's Next Initiative, which is a grant to help uh, women start entrepreneurship, to become entrepreneurs and start entrepreneurial businesses. So it's, it's very, very, very important to work in a place where you feel inspired and where you feel you genuinely belong and a place that reflects your values. If I take a moment and I just put some things together, some food for thought that I'd like to leave, uh, leave with you. We genuinely believe that economies that include everyone everywhere uplift everyone everywhere. And this is important. Economies that include everyone everywhere uplift everyone everywhere. We live in a world where talent is scarce and talent in any shape and form should be nurtured should be taken and developed. And only by doing that can we reach our full potential and we can we hope to, to address some of the challenging questions that come ahead of us. While a lot has happened, we still have a long way to go and a lot to do before we achieve what we would like to in this space. So I ask myself, and today, I'm also challenging you to ask yourself the same question. What can I do to help? And what's more, let's get out there and take action so that we truly are all in this together. Thank you for your time. Thank you, Dr. Saida. You have um, broke barriers and you have achieved your potential. And this speaks volumes of your intellectual prowess and leadership cap capacity. And it also speaks very much of what you had mentioned, your, the value of a good network of trusted advisors to deliver, to support, to advance women and pay it forward. Thank you indeed. We have arrived at the panel discussion segment of the webinar entitled, Impact of Inclusivity in Economic Development and Sustainability, Catalyzing the Workplace of the Future. I'm delighted to be joined by three outstanding women who are at the top of their game and whose contributions have transformed and impacted industries. Please welcome our panelists, Stephanie Schatzschabel, founder and CEO, welcome to the world, and first female chair of the Netherlands Business Council in the UAE. Stephanie is also the chair of the Dutch Sustainability Group, as well as Tamara Rida, general legal counsel at the University of Doha for Science and Technology, and Marwa Adami, the head of delivery at Vesuvio Labs. Okay, we will start our panel discussion with Tamara. Tamara, we recognize that leadership is taught, leadership is inclusive, and diversity is a practice. What is the role of academia in leadership and inclusion at the role at the workplace? Uh, thank you, Maisun, and uh, good afternoon, everyone, and thank you uh, to QFC and Vesuvio Labs for organizing this event. I am delighted to be on this panel alongside uh, very accomplished uh, leaders, uh, female leaders. 
so regarding your question, um, so when uh, the time babies are born, uh, parents are told to model behavior uh, and that behavior and skills are mostly acquired from conditioning that happens through interaction with the surrounding environment. So you would have a stimulus and then a reaction to that uh, stimulus. And young, young children, they do this through uh, observation and reaction and application, as opposed to uh, being told what to do. So I would actually add to the question that uh, indeed these, ability, these abilities that you mentioned are taught, though they are best taught through practice. Uh, so the rule of schools and higher education institutions, including colleges and universities, uh, in my opinion, is paramount in creating an environment uh, where students can practice acquiring leadership and inclusion skills. So for example, here at uh, UDST, we have a very vibrant student life uh, where students are given the opportunity to join clubs, participate in student governance, uh, partake in, sp in sport and wellness activities, uh, provide peer tutoring, peer counseling, and engage in student employment. All these activities offer stimuli and participation in them uh, helps the students in acquiring leadership skills, uh, teaches how to work in a team and how to manage people and organize events um, and activities. And I'm very happy to say that the majority of our student leads, uh, so those leading our student clubs, as well as the student uh, council president and vice president, uh, are female students. Uh, the majority of those coming forward uh, to volunteer um, and participate in extracurricular activities are also females. Uh, so this is generally speaking. Uh, more specifically, I, I believe that when teaching about inclusion and uh, diversification in the uh, workplace, you know, in teams, in politics, other issues, uh, it's important to look at uh, the full cycle and not only at the number of females hired, but also uh, to pay attention to the retention of the females, uh, their promotion and their inclusion in succession planning. Uh, I believe that uh, educational institutions also play an important, um, uh, they can serve as uh, forums for creating that buy-in from males as well from an early age. So we often hear that women should not be shy, that they should encourage and push each other forward uh, you know, that they should do this and that to be heard more or to become more successful. Uh, but I feel that males also play an important role too. And that needs to also be conditioned from an early stage. Uh, st so statistics regarding low female representation or participation, they will not increase if in places where you have male majority, these men uh, don't look around and say, hold on, where are the women? Uh, what are they saying? Uh, and also, uh, when they start valuing input ba based provide, uh, sorry, based uh, the input provided based on quality uh, without regard to gender. Thank you very much for that. I do believe that um, leadership and academic institutions go hand in hand because it's one of the most important um, spots that a person engages in. It's, this starts at home within the community and eventually in higher education. And uh, it's um, 
definitely wonderful to know the work that UDST is doing to promote women in technology, women in entrepreneurship, and fostering the entire environment for women and men in general to be equal and play a role in enhancing and uh, reaching their full potential. So well done. Next, we are interested in gaining the perspective of Stephanie Schutzbell. Stephanie, you're a thought leader in tech, often part of global summits tackling innovation. What do you think would be the biggest challenges businesses will be facing in the next decade? And can you speak to us about any trends that you have your eye on? Uh, thank you very much, Mesun, and thank you, Qatar Financial Center and Presuvio Labs for organizing this important panel discussion. I'm so proud and I'm so honored to be part of these inspirational women that we hear talking here today. Um, you ask a difficult question as the first question, Mesun, like what are the biggest challenges that we see currently? Yes, well... For 13 years now, tech companies have been able to grow exponentially. However, there are some warnings right now that it's going to be a very challenging time for founders in tech companies. And so you have Y Combinator, one of the biggest accelerators of tech companies globally, advising tech startups currently to really look at their runway and cut expenses. So this is not a very big um, positive story. And you see like big giant tech companies such as Shopify and Netflix are, uh, yeah, are really suffering. And this is also tackling down to the early stage um, startups currently. So um, yeah, therefore it's now really very much important to keep an eye on the challenges that are going to be there lying ahead. And, uh, the positive side of it, and I'm, I'm very proud to be the, the founder of Welcome to the World and that we have opened an, an office in Qatar Financial Center. And we see in Qatar like a big trend in women empowerment. And, and, and in Qatar, a lot of institutions are now looking at how to empower women in the workplace and how to empower uh, uh, travel tech companies and startups that are female-led. So I believe that we are currently in the right environment in the GCC and with Qatar being spearheading the, the female empowerment. Um, yeah, this is a very positive trend that uh, we can currently look at. Excellent. There are always going to be challenges, but as you mentioned in previous discussion, we still should move forward, take risks and achieve without any um, course to adversity. We're, so that's an important thing to point out. Um, when I think about pioneering women in tech, software engineering, entrepreneurship, the world of Islamic fintech, financial inclusion, and renowned advocacy work, Marwa Adami comes to mind. Marwa, a career break has taken temporarily some of your confidence away a few years ago. However, last year you won the UK Muslim Woman Award in Tech and congratulations on that major achievement. Could you tell us about your journey in the tech sector and the role education and technology played in instilling confidence in your skills and intuition? Thanks, Maysoon. Right. Um, yeah, so I guess I have already pointed out some um, 
about my journey and how it was, uh, certainly the accolades I have received over the last few years have truly proven that hard work does not go unnoticed. I am extremely humbled by the recognition I have received. Um, yes, there definitely were times when I felt that my confidence had dwindled down on the professional side. However, it allowed me to learn more about myself uh, as I looked after my children. Um, it also allowed me to recognize my skills from home and some of them being relevant really in the working world of work. Uh, plus, I carried over all that experience in my unconventional career break where I started my first business. Um, however, there would always be occasions where imposter syndrome kicks in, resulting in lack of confidence. But that's a moment I've taught myself to see the other side and remind myself that it's more about my inner dialogue that is negative and less about my capabilities. It's also important to remember that in life, we are continuously learning and achievements are measured by the success of what you define as a success to yourself. We are always achieving and growing on the ladder of success. But the best thing to do is to focus on what you've achieved today that has helped you grow, not about the quantity, but it's about the quality. So even if it's one thing that is better than nothing, then that is a definition of your own success. Um, in terms of the education, of course, education taught me really, uh, taught me really as it provided a solid framework to embark on a career journey, but the real learnings came from practical experience and throwing myself straight into the deep end. Um, I also think that women bring a different dimension to the workplace in terms of opinions, skills, diligence, their work ethic, responsibilities, um, and, and overall, they give a very different outlook uh, as a whole. Thanks for that, Marwa. In the interest of time, now um, Stephanie Schatzbo will kickstart the second round of discussion questions. Stephanie. COVID-19, the war in Ukraine, inflation. The world is changing fast and so are leadership strategies to quickly tackle adversity and a challenging economic outlook. In particular, the tourism industry that your, your organization, Welcome to the World, addresses. I'd like to ask, how are you doubling down on your leadership skills and expertise to help your team and the business go through these challenges? Uh, thank you, Maysoon. Yes, well, we believe that we as women, uh, we are perfectly positioned to lead by empathy and intuition. And it's, it's super important that like within any business, like great leaders should really look at um, empathy and intuition uh, to follow. Like a key leadership skill is that if you have a vision, and we heard so, so many great visions today from so many uh, uh, great women that are participating in this panel discussion. So if you, the futuristic thinking and implementing your vision and, and gathering the group of people around you to follow this vision, that is basically key of also overcoming all challenges that we currently are in as a society. And obviously um, we started a, a, a company in the midst of COVID-19, like being a travel and tourism uh, resilience initiative, it is very, very challenging. So it's very important that you surround yourself with the right people that you can really um, yeah, make a change like within the markets. And although uh, there are challenging environments, like 
you have to think in the future and in the future obviously people will still travel so why not prepare ourselves now for what the future is ahead and we can only do this if we have strong women and males together to to facilitate this change thank you stephanie that's pretty um impressive starting a business a tourism business in during the time of COVID-19, which was a paradigm shift for the world. I applaud you on that. And it's a testament to a strong, independent women in technology everywhere. So thank you for that. The next follow-up question goes to Marwa. Marwa, as a woman, a mother, a family member, and a working professional, what helps you to keep a healthy work-family balance and what role does your family and parents play in supporting your career achievements? Um, yes, a very apt question for a lot of, um, I, I think, I, I, again, I've touched upon it in my, um, in my keynote. So I would love to highlight that from my current experience of being a working mum, Vesuvio Labs plays a huge part in me having a healthy balance between work and family. Um, considering all the flexi work I'm given um, and as well as the part-time hours um, that have been granted. Um, and of course, I'm only able to do the above because my family is so supportive, whether it's my husband, my children, or my mum-in-law who's actually been in, uh, who has been part, a pivotal part of my career and has been, has, has facilitated um, looking after my children uh, whilst I was um, looking, you know, um, trying to uh, get to my, up the career ladder. Um, and without the childcare that I received, uh, there was no way I would have been achieved, I would have been able to achieve what I have. Um, and of course, my parents and my siblings who are verbally and morally always there for me to guide and push me within my career. Um, but actually a huge role model to me is my sister, who is uh, who has always been career driven way before I ever was. Um, I also think that motherhood facilitates uh, multitasking. So there is a natural transition of strengths into the workplace, um, making it certainly more doable for women to be um, perfectionists, to be resilient, to be possessing good work ethics. Um, having empathy, which obviously Stefani very high, you know, highlighted, uh, very rightly highlighted, um, having patience and being adaptable within the workplace. In terms of the healthy boundaries, I've, I've learned to keep healthy boundaries between to ensure that neither my work encroaches on my personal life and neither uh, personal life encroaches on work. And that's taken um iteration after iteration to try and get that healthy balance do i get it right every time of course not however what i would say is that um when things get too much i have learned to say no so whether that's to my family um which means that step in help out more um and no i cannot do this or that at this time um, or stepping into work and saying, actually, could we adjust timings? And so I'd add the additional, the, the flexibility element would be if I have to work later in the day to make up uh, for, for work that I was meant to finish during the day, then I will. Um, so yeah, I think it is important to strike a balance um, and it, it takes two to tango. It's a whole, the support system that you have in your life uh, really defines uh, about 40% of your success and your growth. 
Thank you, Marwan. That it does take family and essentially does take the community. It takes the village to help women achieve. Now let's circle this discussion back to Tamara Rita. Tamara, as you are aware, cloud web technologies are helping law firms with practice management, secure document storage, due diligence analysis, and electronic discovery. How are these advances impacting positively the legal profession and helping to attract in particular, more women to the legal profession. Uh, thank you, Maisun. Um, this is very relevant uh, now. And uh, if we are to speak about the impact of uh, if tech advances in the legal field, I think we can talk about it from several perspectives. So uh, on the one side, there is the impact of the tools of uh, or legal tech on the actual practice of law. Uh, and there's also the role of lawyers with regard to technological advances, uh, disrupting society or their own, um, you know, the, the legal field. Uh, so uh, regarding the first point, uh, you know, just historically, uh, the legal sector has been uh, more rigid. Uh, you know, in the past, it followed a traditional uh, operational uh, model lawyers were always seemed as uh, dinosaurs, you know, when it came to technology. Uh, and uh, sometimes they even resisted the change uh, because of uh, the billable hour structure. Uh, I think uh, the past years, uh, we are seeing that more firms are coming to recognize that technology and legal practice can work together uh, and for the benefit of the client and the firm itself. Uh, of course, this might have been influenced by uh, the remote nature of work during COVID times, which showed us that um, reliance on traditional office-based work may not always be feasible. Um, but also, you know, there are clients that are now pushing law firms to adopt more efficient solutions in terms of time and cost. Uh, and they are, uh, you know, becoming more unwilling maybe to even pay for the menial tasks that are performed by uh, junior lawyers. Um, there's a generation of young lawyers that grew up with technology facilitating and uh, making life easier, so they're more comfortable using it as well. So as you mentioned, yes, uh, cloud uh, web technology specifically uh, are helping firms by providing document management, uh, filing solutions, uh, they are provide more afford affordable data storage solutions, uh, storage and maintenance, actually. Uh, you have more uh, backup solutions, which reduces the risk of data loss. Uh, initially, there was a concern, I have to mention, about uh, cybersecurity. I mean, we uh, uh, one of our primary um, obligations is to keep our uh, clients' uh, file uh, confidential and um, and secure. Uh, recent developments have, uh, you know, kind of indicated that cloud-based cloud tools make uh, maybe more secure than uh, in-house uh, servers, uh, especially for smaller firms. Um, and from a client uh, service perspective, uh, you know, there are technologies that help with prediction and analytics, uh, governance, compliance, contract management, um, they offer online uh, meeting and meeting management solutions, which, uh, you know, our department actually uses uh, some of those. Uh, and you might have also heard or seen uh, courts uh, convening uh, online. 
so with regard to women specifically, uh, according to statistics that I came across, at the starting level, women in the legal field make up around 50% of the workforce, and this is for legal support and starting positions. Uh, as you go higher up, this representation decreases uh, to less than 30% uh, on the partner or equity partner level. So the use of legal tech solutions may actually improve these statistics by contributing to creating a fair hiring process. Uh, of course, there's a, um, a little reservation here depending on the algorithms that are being used. Uh, because there was some debate about that. Um, these technologies might allow uh, more flexible working hours and not require the lawyer, uh, whether male or female actually, to physically be present in the office at all times. Um, now, with regard to lawyers' contribution to uh, tech advances, uh, I think uh, you know we have an important role uh, in working with the regulatory bodies on creating a regulatory framework for all these new developments. Uh, although sometimes it can take a while until the full impact of a specific you know, advancement is under, understood. Um, lawyers themselves can in, initiate and establish legal tech startups uh, whenever they feel that they're using, that using a tech tool can uh, you know, make their work more efficient. Um, and uh, females are often uh, users of these tools uh, and therefore their perspectives need to uh, be considered when these tools are developed in the first place. And so there, here there is an opportunity and need actually to see more females jo joining, establishing startups, participating in developing the legal tech tools that will be used later on by them as well. And uh, there are already female entrepreneurs uh, developing, uh, owning, establishing legal uh, tech startups. Uh, sometimes uh, they are making, you know, as much contribution as their male counterparts, although uh, these contributions might not always be recognized or visible, uh, as some researchers have put it. Uh, so, for example, only about 2% of global funds from VCs uh, go to female-led businesses. Uh, although if you look further uh, into this, it appears that funds that are actually invested uh, with female-led businesses, uh, the return is better. Uh, so what we have now uh, actually is that females join universities. They outperform their male counterparts academically. Uh, they join the workforce. They come up with these ideas that have a potential for you know, great returns. Uh, but there's this link of not being heard or seen. Uh, so we need to create platforms or forums that would allow these ideas to be, uh, you know, highlighted more and heard more. Brilliant, thank you. Um, I'd like to follow up with Stephanie on a very timely topic of resiliency. Stephanie, it's safe to say that adversity in business is a given. How has resiliency helped you and your team achieve the very best version of yourselves? Well, I think that resilience is one of the key strengths like any team or any organization should possess. And um, yeah, my recent new business, Welcome to the World, was started amid uh, a big crisis as a resilience initiative in the travel and tourism industry. Um, I, I was listening to, to Dr. Saida, who was saying like the key things that women need to do is 
um, what can they do to help and take action now basically when covid hits the market the travel and tourism industry and my background being um, having multiple companies within the travel and tourism industry i found myself saying how can we help this industry to to rise again like and become resilient and recover more from um, the crisis that currently is happening and I gathered my, myself with an industry expert and I asked them, what if you could change pre-COVID, like a problem that is really out there in the market, like we can solve together post-COVID, what problem would that be? And together we came up with a solution within the market, which is a technology solution um, uh, named Welcome to the World. Like we are a video inspiration platform, boosting direct bookings and bypassing commission driven models, which is a problem in the market that we currently really are solving. So therefore, I believe that like resilience is, is key in any team, but also in any industry. And we should always look at the, the market trends and the challenges that we are in. And then indeed, what can we do to help and how can we take action all together? And then I think that you were also asking how to become the best version of yourself um, uh, within these challenges. Challenges. And I and I believe that um, core values and company culture is extremely important also for any um, employee or any female leader to to feel recognized. And um, yeah, in in our company and how we see resilience is that we truly and dearly we dream without any limitations, and we follow our passion and our enthusiasm that you see me smiling a lot like but this is the vision that everybody within our company is following we we really consider the world our playground because the world is it's not only like the geographically location that you are located in and obviously it's important to bring value to your clients but one of the key um key points to become a better version of yourself is to help others also to reach their ambitious goals. And if you can do that within organizations and you can do this with positive energy and you have a purpose to really make a difference, then you really become the best version of yourself and your team also becomes the best versions of themselves and your industry that you're in becomes the best versions of the industry. And like, yes, I do want to, to, to tickle it back to Dr. Saida, because it's all about what can I do to help that will make you the better version of yourself. Well said, Stephanie. I do support helping others achieve their goals and looking further because A, it's good for business. And on a personal note, no one ever gets to a point without the support or of their network. So I agree with you on that. Thank you. The next question, is for Tamara. Tamara, UDST, as we all know, is undergoing a remarkable transformation and is well positioned as the premier national applied academic institution in Qatar as per international standards. You lead the legal counsel, a role with paramount importance in advising on the different legal aspects of business operations Could you please disclose the impact of your day-to-day -day operations together with your team on the sustainable growth of UDST in Qatar and beyond. Thank you, Maisun. Uh, indeed, it's a very exciting time for us here at UDST. 
the university is emerging at a time when technological advances are shifting the focus uh, of education from a purely traditional uh, theory-based learning to equipping, st equipping students uh, with both the theoretical and applied skills, um, fostering creativity, development of soft skills, uh, all to meet the market demands uh, so that when a graduate joins the workforce, uh, they can hit the ground running without the need for extensive training. Uh, so as a colleague of mine had put it, uh, it's a comprehensive education offering the best of both worlds. Uh, our main focus at the university is student success, and uh, this includes relevance of our academic programs to the uh, continually changing market needs. Uh, as technologies advance, um, uh, these, these needs uh, change. Uh, for example, we now offer degrees in data and cybersecurity, as well as data science and artificial intelligence. Uh, it also includes uh, maintaining partnerships uh, with relevant industries uh, that not only see our students as potential uh, future employees, uh, but also benefit from research done by the university. It includes having state-of-the-art equipment uh, to allow our students to apply the theoretical knowledge uh, that uh, that they acquired uh, to real workplace scenarios, uh, and uh, you know I, I will take from uh, what Madwa had mentioned that uh, yes, the uh, uh, education at the university uh, did contribute uh, to to her path, but uh, you know she uh, um, she put a lot of value to the practical aspect of actually being in the workplace. Uh, so this is what we try to, to provide. So our department, uh, it provides support in ensuring that there is a solid governance framework in place, uh, which would allow the uh, different departments uh, working within the universities to undertake the roles effectively uh, to achieve the best interest of the students. Uh, and being able um, to provide the points that I mentioned uh, within the mandate uh, dictated by our, our governance documents. Uh, so we assist in um, reviewing drafting policies and procedures, the interpretation, application of legal requirements, uh, drafting, reviewing a variety of legal documents, including uh, industry uh, partnership agreements and MOUs, placement and training agreements, for our students and uh, looking into the protection of any new inventions, creations, developments that come about uh, as a result of the research uh, or collaboration projects and partnerships that are undertaken at the university. And, uh, you know, the fun part about doing law is that every day you're faced with a new case, a new question and a new challenge, and you continue le uh, learning and growing your knowledge. Excellent. Well said. Thank you, Tamara. At this time, Marwa Adami will close out our panel discussion and take the final question focusing on the value of empathy, but more specifically um, in the development of leadership skills. Marwa, we know empathy is the ability to imagine, understand, and embrace the vulnerability of others. What are your thoughts on the role of empathy in all aspects of business, considering boundaries, um, and such. Wow, what a, a strong word. Um, 
empathy is. So I feel like empathy has really become more, more widespread in the last uh, decade uh, and more so during COVID. Um, I feel that there has been far more recognition in recent years that there is a strong correlation between empathy and a happy, successful, mentally balanced workplace. Um, and this mainly is because people need to feel they are being listened to and provided with solutions to enable to, them to work at their best. Um, empathy in the workplace is very different um, to, you know, to the in the workplace is very different to the outside world. I, I feel like it simply means striking a balance. Uh, it's important to be human, but also important to put the business needs in alignment so as to maximize, ma maximize pro productivity. And this means there's a time and place to be empathetic. Um, I feel like with, with empathy, you, you as a leader um, who possesses empathy, you become more naturally more approachable and there is a sense of familiarity. So from my own experiences in the workplace as a leader, um, I have felt the sense of familiarity with, um, with for instance, other female colleagues who have approached me um, to provide them with solutions to come to me with their own um, issues or problems because they feel a familiarity element between us, maybe because uh, they're a mother and so am I. I've had certain experiences that they have had and so I can make better informed decisions uh, on their behalf, be a better listener um, and provide them um, the, uh, the grounding that they, 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 they need to move forward in order to provide them uh, the autonomy over their work and just being more flexible and more, um, uh, more well-rounded individuals. So I'd like to close uh, because I'm, I'm, I'm aware of the time. I would like to close in the words of Brené Brown, American research professor, vulnerability equals a birthplace of innovation, creativity and change. Thank you, Maysoon. Excellent, Marwa, thank you very much. I believe empathy is a differentiated skill for leadership. And, you know, it makes us human and it's not all business, but to be successful in business, you need to bring that human element. So empathy, again, is an emotional IQ and what we consider soft skills are very important. Okay, at this time, um, for those of you joining us, uh, welcome to the Q&A segment of our webinar entitled Visionary Women in Tech, Inspiring Diversity, Leadership and Entrepreneurship. We welcome questions from our audience from around the globe and encourage sharing across your social media channels. Here's your opportunity to engage directly with our esteemed panel and be a part of the conversation. Go to the questions tab at the bottom right side of the portal and ask your questions to either Stephanie, Tamara or Marwa. Let's see. Okay. Well, we'll have bonus round questions for our panel that we thought our audience would um, like to hear. Let's start with Stephanie. Stephanie, you are an entrepreneur starting multiple ventures, both in your own country and abroad. What advice would you give to young women leaders to establish their own businesses for the first time, fearless of failing? 
Oh, wow. Yeah, Mansoon, you're already actually giving the answer, like fearless of mistakes. Uh, I, I strongly believe and I would advise all female leaders or young uh, female leaders, um, uh, dare to dream big. Yeah, dare to dream big and be authentic in what your dreams are all about. And um, don't be afraid of making mistakes. Like failures will get you where you need to be in the future. And as Mara said, choose them wisely because uh, obviously uh, too many failures will not get you uh, where you need to be. However, it's what we learn that will make us stronger women. So... Although we are currently in very challenging business environments, like don't let that stop you. Like just the market needs you. Change is needed like worldwide and currently more than ever. So be the best version of yourself. Dream big and dare to make those mistakes. And this is the, the, the best advice that I could give. And what I also love that Marwa said, look for the best mentor that you can find. Whether this is a female or a male, it doesn't matter. But like surround yourself with the best people um, that can help you also to move forward. And we are all here for you to help you with achieving your ambitious goals. Thank you, Stephanie. Words to live by. Next question I'll ask of Tamara. Tamara, from Jordan to the US to the UK, what is the path like to reach the pinnacle of success that you're experiencing today? And what is your vision for your future? Uh, sure, Madhwa, uh, <laughs> my son. Uh, I, um, I studied law actually because of my passion for human rights and women's rights specifically. Uh, I remember during one of our classes at the university, uh, the professor kind of digressed and asked us about uh, who supports women's rights and women's equality. And I, I was shocked that a number of female students actually said, we don't want human rights, we don't want equality. And it made me realize uh, how, you know, some of the achievements that were made by uh, females in the past were taken for granted. Uh, and most relevantly to that instance, specifically uh, having access to education, being able to actually sit in that class and voice an opinion in that manner. Uh, so it also made me realize that I wanted to do more. Uh, I studied, uh, trained, and practiced law in Jordan in both corporate uh, uh, sector and with NGOs, and uh, did a master's at Duke University in the U.S. Um, this was followed by an internship with, uh, uh, with the UNODC, the anti-corruption unit. In Qatar, I joined uh, CNAQ um, at a time, uh, it, well, at the time it was CNAQ, um, I established the legal affairs department, uh, joined the institutional review board here, and now the college has been uh, replaced by the university. And, you know, we, uh, as the UDSD family, are working very hard to uh, make this lead, a leading institution uh, of applied learning and research internationally. I also recently joined CIDRA's Patient and Family Advisory Council as an advisor. Uh, it encourages an open and direct dialogue between uh, women patients and mothers and the hospital. Uh, and this again shows the important role that women play in Qatar uh, in the health sector, trying to advance it more uh, and to make it, you know, uh, for example, make uh, more inclusive care uh, 
So reflecting on lessons learned that actually helped me in my career path, and my advice would be to try, 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 try and read as well. Uh, try out new experiences, new skills, challenge yourself with something new, travel uh, when, when it's possible, talk to people, uh, listen to their stories, actually listen. Uh, read as much and as often as you can. Stay updated on the latest developments. The advancements are happening so fast with technology and you really need to stay relevant and current. Uh, listen to your leader's advice and as uh, my co-panelists have mentioned, uh, do look for a mentor. Uh, that you look up to, that you can learn from, because, you know, there are people from whose journey you can really learn. Uh, and at times you won't succeed, but it will help you to identify uh, lessons learned for the future. Uh, this applies at the beginning of your career and throughout, no matter how much you grow. And it will also help you diversify your perspectives and become more open, more flexible and uh, adaptable to new situations. But also it will help you focus maybe on something that you can specialize in even further. Uh, also, it's very important, of course, to give credit and recognize the people that supported you on the way. Uh, and uh, I feel I was very fortunate uh, throughout my career uh, to have the support uh, of leaders and managers that valued me for the input that I was providing uh, without regard to me being a female. Um, and, you know, at UDST, we have a president who is constantly pushing us, employees and students alike, uh, to excel, go beyond uh, the boundaries of what we think our limits are, to think creatively out of the box. Uh, you know, he's very passionate about creating opportunities for women and actually about women creating opportunities for themselves, uh, leading initiatives and projects. And again, like circling back to our earlier discussion, this emphasizes the importance of having a management that believes in inclusion, that respects your effort, uh, values your input based on the quality rather than the gender or age or, you know, whoever delivers it. So for the future, I think the trend now is uh, more towards uh, narrower specializations and I feel broad qualifications are no longer really enough. Uh, and maybe I also see a need for intersectional specializations, uh, just like law and tech, for example, or business engineering, health uh, and technology. We're moving towards, uh, you know, AI applications in all of these fields. And this can be achieved in part through micro-credentials, uh, which, by the way, we, we hope to offer in the future. Uh, and generally speaking, I think there will likely be focus on AI applications also in the field of environmental sustainability, maybe access to water. And uh, given the recent outbreaks, probably the healthcare sector as well. Excellent. Thank you, Tamara. Final bonus round of questions will go to Marwa. Marwa, COVID-19 brought profound transformation to the job market. What is your view on the new opportunities for women in the MENA region and mobilization of younger women generations, of younger women generations to upskill them in tech as a productivity and confidence breakthrough? 
Yes, COVID-19 and all of its, uh, yeah, all of its changes and adaptability. Um, I feel like COVID-19 has provided accessibility to job markets um, globally, which did not previously exist uh, due to geolocation restrictions. And I think that has been the biggest breakthrough, um, allowing for the flexibility for the remote working and allowing for all of those inaccessible jobs um, to become more accessible, which means it lowered the barrier to entry for previously inaccessible jobs. What that means is I feel that for the tech jobs has grown exponentially and so the market has suddenly become so buoyant not only creating more job opportunities um, but also encouraging women to take the plunge into perhaps changing careers as enabling them to work fully or partly remote um, and 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 you know I think the recognition that uh, tech jobs uh, offer flexibility and the the idea that you could work around um, to suit your family has has uh, um, has drastically helped in terms of um, more and more women recognizing the importance of uh, of perhaps changing careers or taking up more jobs in that sector. Um, I also think in terms of upskilling, uh, so globally that has also been, there's been a huge um, uh, uh, you know, a, a huge uh, rise in remote uh, working and learning, uh, which has actually uh, globally affected um, everyone, irrespective of gender. Um, resources, there's been a lot more resources that are available online. There are, there's been a flourishment of specialist tech communities, whether it's for women or, or, or more of, um, you know, ethnic minorities within ethnic minorities. And all of that, I think together, uh, gelling together all of those efforts would truly make a difference to how um, the, the in, entire educational framework is based on uh, on, on trying to improve um, improve mentorship, uh, improve uh, leadership roles, in, improve uh, females to, to move into and pave the way for them to move in, into that di direction. Um, I myself am part of uh, Tech Sisters uh, community, which is basically which provides support um, to a minority within a minority of Muslim women in tech. Um, and it is, it's, uh, it's again offering that mentorship and, and, um, and, and paving the way for females to uh, adapt and to perhaps change their careers into tech. And I think to remove that idea, that notion, that mindset that women may have, I have to be a programmer to go into tech. Tech is, is there's a plethora of job opportunities within tech and it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to code. Um, actually, and, and quoting, and according to the Gulf Times, as quoted by Sheikh Al-Arnoud, um, QFC has been actively hiring and creating more senior role opportunities for women in order to bridge the gender gap uh, with specifically 13.5% growth compared with 8.5% as a whole. And again, I think, um, and according to McKinsey, the ratio of women in professional and technical jobs is set to uh, more than double by 2030 through digitization, online platforms, and entrepreneurships. Uh, entrepreneurship. Um, capturing this opportunity would put women in the Middle East at parity with global peers. Um, and on that note, I think we should all embrace change. We should do our best. We should 
we should strive to uh, to make a global network, make a global framework that actually when women and girls um, are taught at a young age, whether whichever part of their career journeys they're in, they have something to uh, rely and fall back on, not to make them reliant on those resources, but to actually produce that confidence and that uh, and instill um, uh, the 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 right attitudes and um, and and that they don't have the need to get uh, any kind of um, uh, you know uh, any kind of uh, assurances from from people uh, and whether they can they can if they dream they can do it. Thank you so much for that, Marwa. Um, I want to um, uh, plug uh, the organization that you're a member of, TechSisters.com, very resourceful organization for women who want the support, who want that comprehensive infrastructure to support. So that's TechSisters.com, and we will have that on the, the recording. Thank you so much. So uh, we have a question from the audience directed at Tamara. Tamara, um, the question is, how has emotional intelligence played a role in your professional life as a leader and female? Do you feel that women have an advantage over men in emotional IQ and can make them successful leaders with this quality? Uh, thank you for the question. Um, it's an interesting question and I would actually not like to generalize and uh, say that uh, you know all women have uh, you know higher emotional IQs than men uh, because then we would be again going back to this generalization. Um, I to be honest, uh, you know as I mentioned, I was very fortunate to have uh, leaders and mentors throughout my career. Uh, that actually supported me and uh, most of these were male uh, and uh, I have learned so much from them. I have learned uh, from, you know, they, they showed me uh, how a good leader can be inclusive irrespective of whether they are uh, male or female. So this is a quality of a good leader in general. Uh, so again, all of these qualities, uh, positive qualities that, uh, you know, I observed in uh, my mentors uh, and I am trying to mimic in my own practice, uh, I believe these apply to generally good leaders uh, as opposed to, you know, being um, exclusively male or female uh, related. Well said, thank you very much, Tamara. Okay, uh, as we approach the end of our webinar geared towards visionary women in tech, inspiring diversity, leadership, and entrepreneurship, there is indeed plenty to reflect on. If these noteworthy discussions enhance our individual and collective contributions to raise the bar and build a global framework that is better tailored for women and tech, then we have achieved our purpose. The one overriding message is that inclusivity drives economic development and sustainability. As Sheikh Alanoud Al-Thani referenced, only 28% of the workforce in STEM areas are women. And the fact that the highest compensated careers, including computer science and engineering, are even less represented by women is even more striking. 
according to McKinsey report, advancing women's equality opportunities, as Sheikha had mentioned, would have an impact on uh, the collective GDPs of the, the US and uh, China combined to over $12 trillion by 2025. Therefore, it's imperative to continue to work towards not only meeting, but surpassing the global challenges of advancing women's equality opportunities across leadership roles within the tech space. Mara Adawi raised an important point and recognized that women bring a different dimension to the workplace in terms of opinions, skills, diligence, work ethic, and responsibility. Marwa is a clear example of why it's essential to better our efforts, starting at the community level and recognize the need for women to be educated widely in taking up STEM subjects to lower the barriers to previously inaccessible jobs. I am very much involved in the entrepreneurship and tech ecosystem in Qatar and beyond. What I have known for quite some time is that Qatar has pioneered the technology, RDI and entrepreneurial ecosystems in the country. And we continue to see several initiatives that are intended to support and inspire women in tech, fostered by entities, including QSTP, QFC, and QDB, just to name a few. Indeed, Stephanie Schatzschebel noted the trend of women empowerment in the tech industry in Qatar and the region. And she says that as a testimony to this trend, she's proud to have opened an office in the Qatar Financial Center and being a part of the ecosystem where female leadership is promoted. In closing, and on behalf of the Qatar Financial Center and Vesuvio Labs, I would like to thank our distinguished keynotes, panelists, including Sheikha Alanud Alfani, Dr. Saida Jafar, Marwa Adawi, Tamara Rida, and Stephanie Shachabal for sharing their insights and contributing to an impactful discussion. And as a special thanks, to our attendees and our participants from all around the world. We wish you a lovely day. Thank you very much for participating. Thank you very much. Thank Bye. you for having us. Bye-bye. Thank, Thank you. Have a great day.